Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Nasser Mashni, Robert Martin, and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Australia's only radio program. That is totally dedicated to the Palestinian cause in English language. I would like to welcome our listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. This week's episode, uh, Robert, who is currently visiting Palestine, will speak to us about uh, some stories, reflections uh, from within uh, as an eyewitness, as an Australian uh, eyewitness to the Palestinian uh, struggle and occupation of the Palestinian land. Uh, Stay with us and enjoy the episode. So, listeners, we're very excited to uh, let you know that our international correspondent has used 92.7% of our budget and travelled to Palestine. So, live from Palestine, Mr. Robert Martin. Thank you for having me. Good morning, listeners. And we should just make it clear that there obviously is no budget for uh, this particular place. <laughs> this is all of my own dollars. Well, well not, not because, in n- case anybody's worrying. Well, and not, it's very expensive, uh, but the hospitality is magnificent here. 90, 97.2% of zero is still zero. Of nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, Rob, let's go back. We're going to talk a second. I know you've been in Hebron and Jerusalem. Let's go back to um, getting into Palestine. So, you've flown from Melbourne, Dubai, Dubai, our man, Allenby Bridge. Tell us the process, how you went. Well, the process was a lot easier than a lot of people thought. Now, I can tell you that what I did is I had a fake itinerary NASA because I knew that they were going to ask me questions. And so basically I said, look, I'm really, really happy to to be uh, going to Israel. I can't wait. You know, and I I handed them my itinerary and it was all Christians for Israel, 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 Israel. I don't mention the West Bank or the Palestinians because if you do that, they're in fact going to start asking you questions. I I thought there was this huge, huge Israeli military... Um, intelligence service monitoring everything and you know because you're very famous with you know almost a million followers on facebook how would they how would they not know that robert martin was coming well i think a lot of people uh think a little bit too much about it nasa we might be social media activists but i don't think we're doing a lot where you know there's billions of people on the ground i'm literally just a person that's wandered into town and i'm doing a few videos maybe next time they will but uh, look i don't think so I mean, they have one of our groups, so we came with seven people uh, from America, and one of them, in fact, did get knocked back. So it does have a serious side. He's been pro-Palestinian in America. He also, uh, he was but, banned, but he, though, in 2015. Yeah, he was banned Not in 2015. Not for any particular reason. And, and was he an Anglo-Saxon like yourself? 
hey, as wide as I am. Okay. Yeah. So, so they're obviously starting to, to try and, and stop people. And so. tell us about, I mean, your experience as a white guy with, um, you know, a, a, a Christian Zionist itinerary was much smoother than, you know, the, the Palestinians in the left-hand lane. Tell us what, what it was like for them. Oh, that's, that's what was, yeah, absolutely. Because, look, the first time I came, I wasn't too au fait with sort of how hard it would be, and they did ask questions. They actually asked me, are you going to the West Bank? What are your plans? And so this time I sort of thought a little bit outside. And I, I went with the assumptive and I said, look, I'm not very good with direction, uh, you know, with details. And anybody that knows me knows me this is actually a fact. That's so true. I handed over my, uh, my itinerary and I said, look, this is, you know, I'm so excited to come to Israel. I want to see, you know, about religion and what's going on here. It's really exciting. And so when, when she started looking at my itinerary, I swear to God, her whole face changed. Now, we know when we go into Australia, they're never happy, you know, those people. They're designed not to be. So we can't just blame these ones for not. But her whole face changed when there's a white guy turning up here, so happy to be going to Israel. And I said, I'm going straight from Allenbury Bridge, straight to Israel. Mm. Uh, you know, I, in fact, had been joking with the group here. I thought she was going to drive me to my hotel room. She was that happy about it. <laughs> so, so uh, it's just, yeah, so, go on. Back to the Palestinians, Rob, because, I mean, you, you had the Express Channel, white guy with a Christian Zionist itinerary. What, what about the Palestinians going home? Uh, well, look, even, even you know, just with inside Israel, so I sat outside the, uh, the Damascus gates for a few hours, mm-hmm. and there's little checkpoints there, and these poor kids, you know, you know, 16, 15, 16, you know, up to their early 20s, look Palestinian, you know, they might speak a little bit of Arabic, so they pull them over. And it's, it's on a step, so it's for everybody to see. It's not discreet. It's an absolute, I'm powerful, you're not You'll do what I say. And I, in fact, tried to film a couple of the soldiers, and they said, no, no, no filming, I'm a commander. And I said, well, how come you're happy to pose with other people down there being proud IDF soldiers, but yet when you're doing your dog's work, because that's what it is, and I'm getting angrier the longer I'm here, you don't want to be photoed, um, videoed. And it's obvious that a lot of them, you know, they don't want the international people to be getting it out there. But the demonisation is not just at the airport. It's, it's, abs- it's everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. But I am going to interview someone later today just on that who is an Israeli Jew who is going to marry a Palestinian and the differences from when he goes on his own to when he goes through with her. All but once, and this is about over 10 times, all but once she's been strip searched. Hmm. All but once. That's through Allenby? That's going through Tel Aviv. She's an Israeli Palestinian. Okay. So she's an Israeli citizen, but she's a Palestinian. And he's an Israeli Jew. And so they have numbers. And, you know, he's an Israeli Jew. You know, he speaks out a little bit. But, you know, because he is the absolute pinnacle of the sort of people, he just goes through. You know, I mean, it's disgusting. And when when he was telling me this the other day. So, Robert, what, what do you say to people who deny apartheid? Because it sounds to me like it's a matter of eyes opening. But nevertheless, oh. some Israelis and the machine, the propaganda, still denies and attacks every person who claims, according, I mean claims within brackets, that there is apartheid within Israel proper or 48 areas. How do you respond to that? Well, they've got no idea what they're talking about. They're either being brainwashed or they're also, you know, feel that they're supreme and that they're able to do this because it's blatant. It's everywhere. Now, I've spoken to a lot of Palestinians. I sit at the, you know, there's a bookshop there. It's the educational bookshop. I love it. 
um, and speaking to people when they sit down there. And it's amazing how many of them don't want to, or in fact, they want to talk to me, but they're too scared. So if they work for a, uh, a government agency such as a school and they use both their names, they'll get the sack. If they use their school name and they're talking about, uh, you know, pro-Palestinian stuff, they'll get the sack. And if they put it into their syllabus, well, the school will actually lose funding. And so it is absolutely blatant, even in Jerusalem or Israel proper is what they call it, which I find a hard word to use, to be honest. I do find that a difficult word to use because, you know, I thought it was more sophisticated than what it is. It's blatant. You just got to look. It surrounds you. So the reality is anybody that denies it is either A, willfully lying and therefore complicit, or B, just naive. Absolutely, unequivocally. And if you've spent any time here, you see it. But So I, I last time I didn't see as many things. And so I went to Hebron. So you, this and, is your first time to Hebron? You, know, you didn't get to Khalid last time? No, I didn't get to Hebron. And so look, I, I spent time with Isa Amro, and so everybody, mm. if they, you know, if they don't know who he is, look him up. Take us, uh, take us to him. Hebron. Tell us what you saw. Well, so I was spending some time with the, um, there's, there's a group that's a fantastic group. It's the young guys, you know, against apartheid, against the youth, youth, They're trying youth to get against streets settlements. Yeah. Youth against settlements. And so hanging out with these great Palestinians, you're know, having wonderful conversations, you know, it feels quite homely. Well, I walked up the back steps, you know, there's a little garden area and, you know, there's a soldier sitting there, a special forces guy sitting there. And I said to him, I said, well, what's going on up here? And he said, oh, they're settlers. They've taken the top of the hill and that's the beginning point. They want this land and so they're going to try and make our life difficult. Now, I always thought, because you really only see on the news or the little bits, that Hebron was a very small town. Hebron is enormous. Hebron is one of the most vibrant cities. Mm-hmm. But then when you get down to where the youth against settlements are, it changes completely because this is where settlements are. And there's only 400 settlers there. Yep. Now, when I say only, only, the power that they have is incredible. So I'm walking down some streets and then, you know, Isa says to me, I can't go beyond there. And I said, what do you, what do you mean you can't go beyond here? It's like it's continuation of your street. He said, yeah, there's an invisible line. They were not allowed to go. So, look, we walked up there. One of the group members had a BDS stamp. He's an American Jew, had a BDS stamp. Was there with Miko Paled, Issa Amro, and a few other people. As soon as they saw the BDS stamp, they said, stop. They didn't want to let us through. And so this went on for a few minutes. And this child wouldn't have been more than 15. And I've posted a picture and a video of this particular child who has a look in his eye that is satanic it is evil and i didn't realize this but he was abusing amro two soldiers next to him heavily armed other settlers looking up from the street amro big guy big smile typical palestinian you know happy go lucky well this kid said to him i'm going to murder you i will murder you one day Mm. and then the soldiers high-fived him High-fived him. Bloody hell. Now, if that is not a sickness, and there are only 400 of these people amongst the complete Palestinian community. Well, 250,000 Palestinians. Yeah, 250, Pal- there's 250,000 Palestinians in Hebron, 400 settlers, 2,000 troops to guard the 400. And this is what people don't understand. Mm-hmm. 
And so you, I walk through all of the villages, you know, and you, you think, you know, look, I'm not a, much of a history buff. I'm not that religious. But when you walk past through these towns, you can imagine what was going on years and years ago. And there's kilometres of empty streets, empty streets. And they've actually been burnt shut, yep. completely burnt shut. Uh, and then, you, you know, you see the soldiers. And one thing that really stood out to me, we were in an area where, you know, the Palestinians had to stay on one side. There's a bus that I can get, but other people can't get. There's a toilet, a brand new toilet block that's been built, but they can't go to it. It's close. There's the Ibrahim Mosque there, where 29 Palestinians were killed. 29 Palestinians were killed. 29 by this Jewish guy. Yeah, in the middle of prayer. Middle of prayer in the mosque. So what do the Israelis do? You know what we need to do? We need to close the Palestinian cities down. We need to hold them out. We'll let the Israeli Jews walk around, but we have to put the Palestinians. And this is part of what happened here. And I saw a, a, a religious guy, and I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think about the racism here? And, you know, he said he doesn't really know. It's 10 metres from where, you know, I ended up yelling at someone because I got really upset. And he said, God gave us this land. And if we don't have these, these soldiers, we'll get killed. I said, but not that many years ago, 29 Palestinians were killed in that building there. What do you say about that? And he didn't want to talk about it. It's like it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And this isn't new. No. This, isn't, um, this isn't a, a thing that's not common. It is common. It is throughout this place. No. So I don't care what anyone says. Do not dare tell me that it isn't like this unless you've experienced it, unless you've seen a 10 to 12-year-old child speak to someone in a way that he means it, that I'm going to kill you. He will be given a gun when he is 16. This person, the soldiers who had the guns that are there to protect the so-called civilians in there, being the settlers, high-fived this person. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me that the Palestinians are the evil people here. Or the violent ones, no. So we should, we you should have say, no idea if that's what they're saying. Uh, Robert, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that if, you, if people think that the uh, settler who uh, killed 29 Palestinians is considered by Israelis a terrorist, they're wrong because he's celebrated in his own settler, uh, settlement, uh, Kiryat Arba. Yeah, there's a Baruch. They had a huge time. monument. It's still there. A huge monument. Yeah. A huge monument and, and, of and the these murderer. Are the things that, these, these are the things that do, you know, really do upset me because the whole thing is flipped. The whole thing is flipped. And, you know, I'm, I'm travelling with Miko Paluta, and he said one thing that has not got out of my mind. And he said, you know, Rob, the Palestinians, they're no good at violence. They're no good at it. They're heartwarming people. They welcome people. Look where it's got them. And it's the truth. That's the what truth. exactly Mahmoud Darwish said in one of his uh, poems. He said that before 48, uh, our hearts are like our doors, uh, uh, like our homes. Uh, the doors are open. Yep. So we should. Well, look, I, I spent. Sorry. Sorry, Rob. I, I think because one of the things to, to give our listeners a, a, a sense of context to Hebron. So post the 19th, June 67 war, Hebron was the first. Uh, uh, the, the the first illegal settlement and and what happened there was a group of rabbis that posed as Swiss tourists and they went to a hotel and booked some rooms as if they're there on holiday and then they refused to leave and that was the pretext under which the military came wow. to to um 
to protect them and said, you know, what's going on here? And the, and the rabbi said, we're not leaving. And then they got the they um, the, the the Knesset was held by some religious parties, and to keep those religious parties within, uh, to keep them satisfied and keep in power, they moved those settlers to a military outpost within Hebron, and then that was the start of the settlement enterprise into the West Bank, which sees now over six hundred thousand, up to three quarters of a million, according to some numbers, of illegal settlers in what is supposed to be Palestine, East Jerusalem, and the West Bank. It's supposed to be. It's clear. It's, it's Palestinian land. Well, no, no, I'm saying that the, the 750,000 are now inside Palestine. They should be Palestinian Jews. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, to, uh, on, on Hebron, uh, um, I'm sure you had the chance to discover the culture of Palestinians, especially uh, what makes Hebron uh, different. Uh, did they tell you that we make uh, jokes at them, at the Khalili people? <laughs> did, did, did your Hebrew friends tell you this? No, to tell me, tell me. No, no, I'm not going to tell a joke, but uh, we just make jokes at them. I'll tell you when you come back a joke. Yeah, because look, it, what, what was interesting, I, I was only in there for a day and a half in that particular part, and then I was staying in Bethlehem because I'm seeing a lot of different mm. things. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go back to Hebron for, for a little while, mm. but uh, and so I will be spending a lot of time. But look, I, I spent time with a, um, with a farmer. You know, his, his father built the house, you know, it was in 1914, the house, the family started, you know, starting to build stuff. But they've had the land for, for generations, you know, generations. He fed us, he, you know, did all of these magnificent things. We walked up to where his house was and then he pointed back to where, you know, his land used to be. And there's settlements, there's five settlements around him. He's lost his, his mother, who was shot. His brother was shot. He showed me the pictures. He's got actually a picture. Uh, there was the siege... To remember, and you guys will know more about it, but there was a siege in the church mm-hmm. where church um, church. Church he lost his family. Yeah, and he lost his family members. So I'd, I've done a video interview, and so, you know, we'll, we'll replay it. But to hear this gentleman's heart about he just wants his land. Yes, the land, some of the land, they offered to buy it. He said, no, I'm a farmer. This is generations. This is the whole thing. So one morning he woke up. A lot of the watering systems had been cut. The trees had been cut. They'd been put on, a, you know, in his new land, and a fence had gone up. They'd actually just taken it, just taken his land. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think this guy sleeps after his mother being shot, his brother being killed? He gets threatened all the time by the settlers. He's at a roundabout where, uh, you know, it's very, very heavily guarded, and he's not going anywhere. But the stories that he had to tell me, I was crying because he's like our dad or our granddad. Mm-hmm. No violence in him, no nothing, just a farmer that wants to work. Yet the world will say that he is an angry person, doesn't love his kids enough to, you know, just wants the destruction of Israel. It is so untrue, No, so untrue. So we did some olive picking at his house and it was beautiful. Yes, this is the olive picking season now in Palestine. We have uh, probably seven minutes to go, so I want you, Robert, uh, to uh, tell me about other destinations you went in uh, Palestine, maybe Jerusalem or Bethlehem. Yes, so, yeah, spent uh, a lot of time in Bethlehem. You know, we found some you know pretty good bars and some you know shisha bars, so that was really good. 
but speaking to a lot of the locals. Without my uh, permission. How, without with things changing. And look, I spoke to a uh, magnificent guy, Baha, who was a Palestinian, mm. obviously can't come into Jerusalem because I wanted him to keep giving me guides. But he was telling me how everything has changed and, you know, how there's... Um, in fact, let's go back to just to, to Hebron for a second. There's 102 checkpoints in a one-kilometre radius. Wow. He told me that. Wow. 102 uh, checkpoints in Rob, a one-kilometre radius. Did, did, you, did you go down um, Shahada Street? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, which, I mean, because that, that, that's one of the... Um, used to be the main market in Hebron. And that's yeah. entirely... Vibrant. Yeah, entirely closed now to... Uh, to, to Palestinians. Yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll go back there and I'll walk up there and I'll do a video because it is it is bizarre. It actually is bizarre. Yeah, go on. You were um, talking Baha about was also uh, telling me that Bethlehem. there's um, there's a hundred hundred plus different permits, you know, for him to come into Jerusalem. Yeah, you know, hundred and two different sorts. And even if you have one, you know, you can be good and you can, you know, you're on your way in. I turn around and go, you know what, not today. Yeah, and you have to reapply. You actually have to reapply. And it is an absolute apartheid system that is wanting to make life so difficult for these people. But the fact that they can't come in here, they're born and raised over there. It's 10 kilometers. You said that your friend uh, is from Bethlehem, but nevertheless, he cannot, he's not allowed to join you to Jerusalem. No. No, he can't. And it's just, you know, and it's, it's those sort of things that you blow you away. And also use of the fact that, you know, the Palestinians in Australia that can't come here. Including myself. Or the Palestinians that are... Yeah, I mean, and I sit there sometimes thinking, you know, I'm a complete stranger, but yet I have rights like you wouldn't believe. I can get any bus I want. I can go through checkpoints anywhere. Maybe for a few more weeks and they'll kick me out. <laughs> but, you know, these poor people that are, you know, indigenous to this population. And then you, you see these Israeli Jews that have accents that are not even close to being here. But they have an arrogance and an awe about them. You belong in New York. So sad, no, sir. So sad. You know, everything that you told me over the, you know, the 20 years that I've known, I just remember all the little bits and pieces that you said, Mm -hmm. and then it just hits hard. Mm -hmm. And then you speak to, I mean, I, you know, I'm a bit of a wanderer. I like to travel on my own. And I find myself having the magnificent team, you know, talking to the older people. And look, there's a particular place in Jerusalem, there's a little alleyway. And I sat there for about two hours. And I don't know what they were saying. You know, they're all in about, you know, from their 70s, maybe upwards a little bit more. But we had the best time. And I, they were probably saying, who's this white guy, as we were smoking shisha. But, you know, they would come up and make little conversations and then someone would come and interpret, you know, how things have changed and how bad things are, how, you know, their fathers used to get along with everybody here and Zionism is ruining the area. Mm-hmm. And it's unequivocal. Um, Robert, uh, now um, talk to me about Jerusalem. What's one thing you want to share about your visit to Jerusalem? Welcoming, but it's a place that has a virus in it. It's a place that has a virus. It's like the whole of Palestine. There's viruses here. I've bought more kefirs than they sell here. But there's a particular kefir shop down in the heart. He's got a lovely shop. There's a settler living above. They force their way in. So they live directly above his shop. Now I'm going to spend time with him today. I asked him why, you know, I said, you know, because he's selling kefirs, he's selling all those different things, and he's got the, you know, the kippers and all of those. And I said, why are you selling these? To me, it's, you know, it feels a bit of a sellout for you. Why? why? And he says, he has to. He has to do it. If he doesn't, they can close him down. 
But two nights before I, I met him, so it was last week and it was probably in the paper, there were hundreds of settlers running down the main street and they broke into some houses, beat some people up, smashed some windows, again, to show their presence. Because it's mainly Palestinian, but you can see the Star of David flags. But you don't see a lot of Palestinian flags because you get in trouble. Now, Robert, I walk around with yeah, all on, of these son. shirts that I have. I walk all around with these shirts. And the amount of Palestinians come up and pat me on the back, you know, and say, you know, love the shirt. Because they can't wear these. You as, I mean, as you know, if they wear these shirts or they speak Arabic, they'll get pulled over and say, what are you doing? They can go to jail for wearing one of these shirts. What does that say to you? But it's a beautiful place with a virus in it. And the virus is being fed by our governments and our media because they're not reporting the truth. The virus has to be stopped. They have to be stopped. Now, Robert, in less than a minute, if you, uh, I, I guess my last question will be, uh, how important is it for Palestinians, Arabs, Australians to visit Palestine and visit Jerusalem and support the economy of the Palestinians of Jerusalem? If you can afford to go anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, come here. You will love it. There is so much good here. The people are wonderful, so do it. Come and immerse yourself in the community. Come and sit amongst the beautiful people here, and you'll go back a different person. I promise you that. But you'll also meet international people that are coming to help, and they're beautiful people too. There's a great community in here trying to do the right thing, and the right thing is just to have everyone live together. And that's what the Palestinians want. Yep. One state, let's live together as people, as equals. But one side doesn't want to do that. And it's not the Palestinians. Well, I've got to tell you, Rob, I think we've used our 97.5% of our international correspondence budget very well. Yes, um, <laughs> yes stay no, safe. No mate. regrets. But I, look, I'll, I'll be back with a lot of um, interviews because that's what I'm going to do. But, uh, you know, take care. Love you, and thanks for listening, listeners. And you take care, Robert, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you back in Australia and sharing more of the first-hand stories and reflections from Palestine. Thank you so much for taking the time on a busy day uh, to speak to Shukran. us. Afwan, Shukran. Afwan, Habibi. This week's episode of Palestine remembered uh, and uh, we spoke with uh, Robert Martin, our co-host, who is currently visiting Palestine and uh, we have listened to the stories and reflections he shared with us. Uh, remember to tune in next Saturday, same time. Until then, this is Nasser Mashni, Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi, wishing you the best of all time and salam. Thank you.